All right, welcome to Wednesday Night Bible Class for all of you viewing us online. We're glad you're here and hope you'll participate in the conversation tonight. Uh, feel free to make comments. We have people back there ready to read your comments to me and they'll stop me at any time to uh, make sure you're part of our discussion. I have been listening. I don't know about you guys, but I've been listening. I've been trying to get as much opinion as uh, possible um, from biblical standpoint, from other people of faith, uh, specifically Christian, but from other people's faith on uh, what to do in a time like this, how to feel in a time like this. Um, and I, I found it very interesting. Uh, the more and more I looked, the more and more I, uh, I dug, the more and more people were saying this is the end of the world. Anybody else notice that? There's a lot of people out there right now saying this is the end of the world. We are in the end of the world. So before we even start tonight, what's the end of the world going to look like? Everything's... You know, you just... Forget it. It's over. It's over. The whole class is over. Everything's going to be normal. What specific things ring in your head when you hear end of times? What... What types of things are there supposed to be? Earthquakes. What else? Trumpets. People thought they were hearing trumpets a couple of years ago. If you follow anything on YouTube, that went around for a little bit. He said it's just going to be like the days of Noah. The days of Noah. They'll be married and giving They'll in They'll be married, giving in marriage. Yeah. That's what I so, meant by normal. Yeah, I, I, I knew what you meant. But you saw everything right at the beginning. <laughs> what about wars? Did you say there'll be wars and rumors of wars? Right, there'll be uh, natural disasters and storms and, and there'll be shakings on the earth and there'll be volcanic eruptions and there's going to be all this stuff. You've, I'm sure you've heard it all. And again, as it turns out, a lot of that's kind of normal everyday stuff anymore, isn't it? As the world's gotten smaller through uh, advancements in technology and we can monitor more and more things, we start to realize that a lot of this stuff is everyday. You're either in peace and safety or you're in not peace and safety, right? You're either in a time where you're in calm, like the non-hurricane season of Florida, or you're in a time where there's storms coming one after another. Sometimes they hit us. Sometimes they miss us. I've heard people say that the storms miss the, the state that was better. You ever hear that? Maybe the reason why Louisiana got hit by so many storms is because they're not very good there. You ever hear stuff like that? People have said that. People have said that this year because they think it's the end of the world. So I just felt like it was a good time to not necessarily talk about that uh, as much, but um, it's a good time to address it. For those who might be confused, for those who, who might be getting um, information that's leading them to believe certain things, I think it's, I think it's time to, to talk about this a little bit. I have told you in my series on Sundays that I do feel like we live in, we're living in what would be biblical times right now, right? So I don't want to get that confused with 
end of time, second coming Jesus biblical times, all right? Um, I just feel like if there was, if there was someone who was uh, inspired by the Spirit of God to literally write the words of God and it was to talk about humankind and, and some sort of struggle, some sort of thing that was happening, this would be one of those times. So I want to make sure that I'm clear about that before I move on. All right. So we're going to be in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 the entire night. I didn't even I didn't put another scripture. I want to encourage you um, as we go through 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. If there's a scripture that comes to your mind you want to share, feel free to share it. Okay? I'm going to be asking a lot of questions tonight. I hope you're uh, excited to answer. If you're not, um, it'll be a shorter class. All right? So 1 Thessalonians 5 has been on my heart. Uh, it's something I've read multiple times during a... Well, pretty much since COVID, um, since the lockdown, since last year started, this is one of the things that's been on my heart, and it's something I knew I would eventually share, um, and I feel like this is the time to share it. So, 1 Thessalonians 5, starting in verse 1, says, Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them. <clears throat> Excuse me. As labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will, not they will not escape. So I want to break this down very slowly. I want to go through this very methodically, and I want to give you, lot, again, lots of opportunity to comment if you want to, okay? So now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. Why? Because we're in Christ. So why would we have no need to have anything written then? Yes, Jesus coming back is not a scary thing for us, is it? It's really not a scary thing for us. And if we're being honest, um, even trials and, and, and persecution and all the things that come with being a Christian really should not be all that scary for us. It doesn't mean it's going to be comfortable at times. It doesn't mean that uh, everything in life is going to be uh, easy because you've chosen God. In fact, most people that I read of in the scriptures, they had a, a much more difficult life because they followed God. So nothing is written because there's nothing for us to worry about. Also, it's supposed to be a mystery, isn't it? Can you imagine if in your lifetime we had the scripture started to unveil itself and all of a sudden you knew, dot, 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 guys, Jesus is coming back in 10 years. Think that might change the way you approach life? Do you think that might change the way the world, the world would approach life? Do you think that might change the way you would have approached life if you're a much more immature Christian? It didn't the people know it's time? Did anybody believe that there was going to be a flood? No, even though Noah's building an ark, even though um, the man of God is saying so, right? I tend to think that part of the mystery is the simple fact that if it was really easy to figure out, People will wait till last second. Maybe not everybody, but I think there's a personality trait, a, a, a character trait that is um, 
just natural for a lot of people to wait till the last second. Why do you think Jesus started his ministry with repent for the kingdom of heaven is near? Say that again, I'm sorry. Because he knew it was near. Yeah, how near is it? <laughs> That's true, right? When did it start? It started right when he died, right? Right. It started when the gospel was completed, right? That's when the kingdom of heaven started. So it was near. But is that the way that the people in the New Testament took that to be? Are you familiar with um, Are you familiar with the uh, the teaching that goes on in certain parts of uh, our brotherhood known as the AD seventy theory? Are you familiar with that? I went to a church that believed in the AD seventy theory when I was trying out right after I, right when I it was my senior year and I was trying out for another church, and I went to a church that nobody told me this. It was actually one of my best friends who he, he actually spent some time here as a member. Jared, you might remember him, Jared Nashley. It was his hometown church, and I went in there, and I preached a sermon, and the sermon was, don't be surprised. That was the title of the sermon, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised when Jesus comes back, right? Don't be, don't have your, your, your don't be unprepared. Don't have no oil, don't, don't be one of those people that isn't ready for it. Um, and I had this great sermon that I had prepared, and, and I went through it really well, and I stood at the back, and I started shaking everybody's hand, and I felt really good about the sermon. I had everybody's attention. You could have heard a pin drop. And I got two different responses. The first response I got was people coming through, and they were shaking my hand, and they were saying, man, we really needed to hear that here. And the other response was, did nobody, did nobody tell you what we believe? And I said, no, what do you believe? And they said, Jesus already came back. I said, what? Why am I still here? Why am I still here? Um, yeah, it is. Now, if you remember in the New Testament, in the New Testament, when Jesus died, people started selling their stuff, and they were living off of the abundance of, of, of materials they had from selling everything, and they were, there was actually a group of people that were waiting on a mountain for Jesus to return. They thought it was going to be in their lifetime. And there's a scripture where, it talk, you know, where Jesus is saying that you know, some of you won't die before you see this fulfilled, and he was talking about the temple being destroyed and rebuilt. Talking about himself. He was also talking about what we talked about uh, when we were looking at Daniel with the dis destruction of the temple. So, <clears throat> I think it's, we got to think about this. We got to think about all these things when we're, when we're going through 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We got to think about why exactly is he saying these things this way? Why is it important that God comes like a thief in the night? 
And why won't it be like a thief in the night to us? <clears throat> okay. So again, I want to point out this too. Whenever somebody tells you there's some sort of destruction, whenever somebody tells you there's some sort of natural disaster, whenever somebody tells you that there's some sort of pandemic that's going to mark the end of times, listen, I'm, going to, I'm just going to quote what Solomon has said multiple times. There is nothing new under the sun. Everything has already happened before. One of the things I love about the series that we're doing through the Old Testament about God being faithful one of the things that it's constantly reminding me is the mistakes that we are making today have already been made. We can see where they will lead to. The same place it led Israel. Um, the same place it, it, it led uh, any of the biblical um, people with their choices. So... I just want to make that very clear, very clear. There's a lot of people out there proclaiming to be prophets right now. There's a lot of people out there proclaiming to have dreams. There's a lot of people out there proclaiming to be able to literally talk to God and hear the voice of God, and they're all telling you right now, this is the end. Get ready. Well, maybe it is. If it is, it's going to be one lucky guess. Because I have studied Scripture very hard trying to figure out if there really is some sort of riddle, some sort of um, magical number, okay, some sort of mathematical equation. I've studied the scriptures very hard to see if there's any type of secret code, because that was popular for a little while, especially when I was in college. It's not. It's just going to be another day. You want to say something, Mike? Part of the, the thing that upsets people on the outside is they confuse the kingdom, the church, mm -hmm coming because in mark he says it's gonna come before some of you standing here have mm -hmm. died you get to see it yeah and if you put that if you make that the second coming you come up from all kinds of angles mm -hmm. because all jesus was saying was when i die i'm that's going to be a kingdom and some of you're going to witness it yeah i think it goes back to what we teach all the time where you know, the, the, the Jews, they were expecting a physical kingdom. They weren't expecting what became, which was the church, you know. They were expecting them to be a chosen people. Not a, not a, not a God that was going to come and say there's now no longer Jew or Greek or Gentile. There, there is no difference between people. Um, so, yeah, I think a lot of it comes from those types of expectations. All right, let's keep going because... There's some really good stuff here, really good stuff here that I think applies to today. I think, again, this is a chapter to me that is for all times and all seasons. This is something you can take and you can read no matter what type of situation you're in, no matter what type of season you're in, no matter what you're going through, no matter how you feel, these truths are never going to change. So verse 4, but you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. In other words, you don't have to be worried. If somebody breaks into your, your house in the middle of the night, are you going to lay in bed calmly like, it's, it's going to be okay? I know I'm not. That's not my plan. My plan isn't play dead. Right? So 
I want you to see that and, and understand that that's exactly how Paul is talking in this. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. Is it going to surprise even a Christian? Is a Christian going to know the day that Jesus comes? Not until he announces it to the world. Not until everybody knows. That's right. That's right, only the Father. That's right. Okay. But you are not in darkness. Remember that. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. And I'm going to be silly here, and I'm going to ask, is Jesus worried about your sleep time? How many hours do you sleep a day? Three hours a day? You need more sleep. You need more You're the only person I know that sleeps less than me, I think. I get about six hours of sleep a day. My wife needs at least eight. I go six hours and I'm like I just drank a cup of coffee. So, is he talking about sleep? Obviously not. So what, is it, so what does it mean, let me ask you, what does it mean to be asleep? Because I want to point out that he's going to talk about sleep in two different ways in this text. So what does it mean when he's saying we're either awake or we're asleep? We're either in darkness or we're in light. We're either in night or we're in day. What does he mean when he says you're asleep? Does he mean you're dead? Unknowledgeable? Unaware? Unaware? Unaware of what? What he said, what he promised. Okay, unaware of the truth. How about that? Okay. Is there a lot of people unaware of the truth? Do we live in a world and a culture right now that questions what truth really is? If you were to say that God was the truth, would most people tell you in our culture today you don't really know that? If you were to say that the Bible was the truth, would most people in our culture say, well, it can be your truth? But that doesn't, doesn't mean it's my truth. Okay, Chuck, you want to say something? Yeah, you know, it's not like there's not a lot of people who aren't aware, at least at some level. They just don't care. Yeah. Basically, they're asleep. Yeah. They're, God is this abstract idea yeah. out there. They're asleep. We don't look at God as an abstract. We look at God as a father that we have a relationship with that loves us. So we're awake. So the contrast he has here between light and dark, sleep, you know, awake, is the same thing. Yeah. It, it is, are, are you living after God? Do you know who he is? Do you know how he is? Do you know what, 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 he, what he is? As opposed to the people who just say, I really don't know. What they're really saying is, I don't want to know. Because I might make, have to make a decision. That decision is going to upset my lifestyle. My, my lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And I don't like that. So I just say, nah, I don't know. I think almost, almost all, maybe this is a bold statement, but I'm going to say it. I think almost all of our decisions are based on what you just said. Does it fit in my lifestyle? Is it going to upset my lifestyle? Is it going to cause change 
to my life. I think everybody worries about that, right? Are you tired of your new lifestyle? Anybody? I am. I'm tired of the new lifestyle. I'm ready for a cure. I'm ready for a change. I'm ready for something, right? So I, I, I agree 100%. I also think that there's something to be said about being able to see clearly, right? Being somebody who's in the day versus somebody who's in the night. How much better can you see? The other day I was um, fishing and I was using my cast net to catch mullet, which are very hard to find right now because the water's cold. And so I was walking down a bank, okay? I was walking down a bank, and it, it kind of had these, like, um, these soft roots that were coming out of the sand right by the water. And so I was walking on them, and from what I could see, because it was dark, everything looked level. But it wasn't. And I found out I'm getting older because I barely stumbled and I like pulled something. You know, normally I would have just caught myself and kept going, but I stumbled and then I, I kept telling Nick who was with me, I kept saying, man, I hurt myself. I'm embarrassed to admit it, but I did. I would have never made that mistake in the light. There's a lot of mistakes that happen. There's a lot of things you can't see coming your way. There's a lot of things you can't even, and, and more importantly, the, the, the part I want to get to is, you can't discern if you don't have the light. You can't discern the world if you don't have the light. If you're led by every whim of your emotion, if you're led by every um, desire that's within you, if you're led by every theory, it's like trying to find the truth right now. It's like trying to find the truth right now. Anybody out there trying to figure it out? I am. There's about 150 different versions of the truth right now on what's going on right now. Good luck. But if you have the truth, then you can understand and you can discern. And I want to do when I get really, really brave. So pray for me that I can get really brave because I feel like I'm being brave. But there's another level, level of brave that's got to come. Because there's a sermon I've been working on that really talks about the truth and how to discern truth. The way the Bible teaches us how to discern truth. And it's going to be one of those sermons that doesn't, some people leave with their toes hurt. Um, so pray for me because I'm trying to discern how to say it right. think too that we need to you know this of course is written to Christians in Thessalonica sure uh, and I think just like it's written to us today sure uh, but I think when we talk about the world mm-hmm. we've got to remember there's lots of people that have not had the opportunity to be exposed to the gospel the way we have okay uh and so they are in the darkness, not necessarily because they choose to be there, but from a lack of knowledge of the good news. Okay. Um, yeah, 
I think there are certainly people who are raised differently even in our own country that have never fully understood the word of God or have even had an opportunity to um, even look at it or, or have taken it upon themselves too. Um, and I do, I do, I hear what you're saying with that, but I, even still, if I don't know the truth, then I can't fully be in the light. You want to say something, Susan? Go ahead. He did not hesitate to step out and say what was evil in God's sight to anyone who listened, the Jews, the Gentiles, people that had never heard that he was teaching. And those people knew things they were doing mm -hmm. that were wrong. And today we're even afraid to say that. And those people didn't have the gospel. And those people didn't. But he didn't hesitate to tell them. This is how my, my father feels about these things. You need mm -hmm. to understand that. I'm here to save you from that. Yeah. And even in the Old Testament, the, 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 nothing's changed in what displeases God. No, you're and, and right. We have a Bible that tells us that even if we don't have a minister, there's not a person in the United States that doesn't have access to the Bible. Yeah, no, you're right about that too. You're right about that. And I, I so let me just say this. It is important for us, and this goes back to what I said two weeks ago on Wednesday. It is important for us not to fall asleep. It is important for us not to be silent. It is important for us not to shrink and not speak what we believe, not share salvation. Um, that's been something that's very, very heavy on my heart. Um, the person that's in darkness that you know might be in darkness because you haven't shared the light. You know, I had a, have, have a neighbor that is um, trying. Um, I better be careful because he could be watching. <laughs> but he's trying. He shows up. It, it's just, he shows up at all the wrong times. You ever have somebody like that? Like, every time I'm busy doing something, he wants me to stop and talk. And it drives, it drives me nuts sometimes, you know. It drives me nuts uh, because it's just the timing. It's not him. It's not the conversation. It's just every time I'll be out weeding my yard and he wants me to stop and talk to him. Well, I don't want to stop and talk until I'm done, okay? Let me just get this done first. And for those of you who know I have ADD, that's really important to make sure I finish something before I start something else because I'll never go back. Um... But what I realized just a little while ago was my neighbor is actually his girlfriend. And she had told him I was a minister. So he was actually coming to talk to me because he wanted to talk about God. Here I am worried about my weeds. You know? And here I am every time he comes, I'm like, because he's also one of those guys, and I know some of you feel this way about me, but you got to be careful when you have a conversation with him because it's not going to be a short one. There's certain people I only answer at certain times because I know I have to have so much time allotted to pick up the phone. So be thinking about that. Let that play with, let that be a burden on your heart to share, especially during this time where so many people are realizing. They don't know as much as they think they know. The world's not as simple as they think. In fact, it's actually very complex. Okay? So be, be looking for those opportunities. All right.
let's keep going here because I it's going to start wrapping together here nicely, but we've got to get through a few more scriptures. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love and the helmet of hope of salvation. Now, I want to point out again that faith, hope, and love. Remember, you get in there in 1 Corinthians, and it talks about all these different gifts, but the greatest of these is love, and, 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 it, and it singles out actually faith, hope, and love, and then says, but the greatest of these is love, and we've talked about that in different ways. But these are things, these are elements of who we are as Christians because we are in the light, because we're not in the darkness, that should be relevant, that should be on display in all seasons, during all times. We should be people of faith, we should be people of hope, and we should be people of love. And I can tell you right now in my life, those three things are key and evident, but not as strong as they normally are. I don't feel super hopeful right now. I don't, I don't feel... Um, the scripture is later going to say rejoice. <laughs> rejoice always. I don't feel super joyful right now. I'm not ready to scream out to God because I'm so excited about the way life is going. Let me go back to this word, sober. Do you think sober in this just means don't get drunk? Think that's what it's saying? Because I, I feel like a, I can tell you as a teen, I had a minister who used to use this scripture to make sure he that we all knew you weren't supposed to be drinking at any parties at night, kids. You shouldn't be either. But. Okay, well, I mean, that's fair. <laughs> but I don't think that's what this says. It, okay. it, the Amplified uh, uses words like self-controlled, calm, wise, mm -hmm. as... Synonyms. Yeah. I think, I think, and I think the scripture is going to make this even more clear in the next few. You want to say something? Go ahead real quick. No. Go ahead. Well, when I think about it, I think about that ostrich sticking his head in the ground. He doesn't know what's going on. He doesn't want to know what's going on. He's just, and that's the way they are in darkness. They're living in darkness. They don't want to know what's going on. They don't know what's going on. That's, that's the problem. <laughs> yeah. I, so when, why, let me ask you this real quick before I say what I was going to say. Why do people drink? Why do people drink? Yeah, this isn't a conversation we normally have in church, is it? They want to numb themselves. Why else? Escape reality. Yeah, for some people, they just need, they, Takes the edge off, right? Just to cut loose a little bit, right? To be part of a group. Yeah, to be accepted. I actually had a young person tell me that he needs to find new friends because his friends he hangs out with, the only time they want to hang out with them is when they're drinking. And he's like, man, if all they want to do is drink to be around me, maybe they don't really like me. Um, which I think is a good point. Um, That's right. Yeah. 
Well, I, and I think there's a, I think you've got to get into the addiction aspect and everything to it too, but the sober, the sober to me is not, not escaping, not allowing yourself to be carried off by all these other ideas, not allowing yourself to start to fall in love with what the world teaches versus what you know the Bible says, okay? I think that's, when it talks about being sober, okay, we understand the difference between being drunk and being sober. If you've never been drunk, let me give you an experience, that not, not an actual situation, but let me give you some of my own experience. You will do stuff you wouldn't normally do. You will do stuff that you might regret the next day. You will do stuff that's out of character from you. And that's my experience. Maybe you've had some of the same experience when you've done that. Go ahead. And I could not have said it better myself. That's what I was trying to spit out. So I'm glad you just said that. So, not asleep, awake, not drunk, sober, not in the night, in the light. Okay? So, go ahead. Uh, Betty says being sober means being disciplined. Being disciplined. I agree. I agree it's being disciplined. It's staying in control. It's staying aware. It's staying focused, staying on task, however you want to say it. It's being clear-minded, not allowing, again, not allowing your emotions to rule you, but not, not denying your emotions. We can go through it all. I'm not, I'm not going to do that right now. Okay. Verse 9. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. For God has not destined us to wrath. Who's us? Christians. So it's not all mankind. Just want to be clear. This isn't one of those scriptures that's saying, God's going to save everybody no matter what. We're sure about that? In other words, he's uh, Paul's talking about himself as well. I agree, hundred percent. I'm just making sure. I'm just making sure there's nobody out there who thinks that. We, I've had a couple that told me that before. Um, did you want to say something, else, Peter? Go ahead. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. That's a, that's a passage that was in my house um, that I still live by to this day. I know he carried me through some of the stuff in my life without a doubt. Um, so we're not destined for wrath being Christians. So there are people who are going to 
have to face the wrath of God? Then that the world chooses not to believe. That is something that even a lot of churches are starting to preach against. Exactly. A friend whose father lives to be 100 years old and he just died. And I talked to her today and he's with mama and they're in their happy place and they're in heaven. Having never gone anywhere and done anything to worship the Lord. Yeah. In the 25 years that I've known her and of him. Yeah. I can tell you from a minister's perspective, the hardest thing to do is a funeral for somebody that never knew Christ. I, I uh, obviously don't preach about the wrath of God at it, um, but... <laughs> um, it, it's a difficult thing because I've even had people ask me, um, knowing that the person I was doing the service for was not a Christian, um, you know, to make it clear to everybody that they were in heaven. Um, and that's put me in a difficult place a time or two. I won't go too deep into that, but there's absolutely this idea that Maybe the wrath of God is a little bit scarier than we want to talk about, so let's just act like it's not really part of the equation. It is, and it's important to talk about it because then we won't be maybe so lax with sin. See, that's the reality of our culture. Our culture has actually gotten very comfortable with sin. You know, um, and, I, and I, I'm not a fire and brimstone preacher. I think most of you all know that. I'm not a fire and brimstone preacher. I'm not somebody that is constantly telling everybody, you better repent. You're terrible. Um, but I do think there's a necessary component to that for all of us to, to be reminded of. I mean, for goodness sakes, Proverbs says the beginning of wisdom is what? Fear of the Lord. Well, why would you fear God if there's nothing but, if there's no such thing as, if, if there's nothing but hugs and kisses coming from him? That we taught our children. When growing up, I was raised by a single mother that I was terrified of. <laughs> I'm telling you, you disappointed her. It was not a good day. Yeah. And so that is what I equate the Father in heaven as. You don't want to disappoint or do something that you know he's not going to like because there's going to be consequences to that, but the world does not want to know that. Yeah, I agree. They will, and, they're, and we're raising our kids not to know that. Yeah, and... and we can agree and disagree on types of discipline and forms of discipline and how much you should discipline, fine. But to act like there's disciplining our child is not a good thing. I mean, Hebrews makes it very clear that God disciplines us because he loves us, because he loves us. Um, so let me get into this next part real quick. What, is it, what does he mean here with awake or asleep? It doesn't matter whether you're awake or asleep. I thought we just said we needed to be awake. I'll let you read it again because I just kind of ADD, right? Sorry. What does it mean? For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, who's the us? Christians. Are Christians in the darkness? Are Christians asleep? Not according to this text. 
Maybe we are sometimes, but not <laughs> according to this text. I'm reading all your lips, by the way. You're killing me. Um, yeah, are the, I... <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. No, I, I just pointed to you. Oh. Uh, awake or asleep, are you, is it possible that he's talking about people who are work, work Christians and have passed away? That's exactly what I think that's talking about, yes. This, this is sleep, yes. Okay. Yes. And that's, what I was, that's why I was emphasizing the us and the we. It's the same sentence. It's the same context. It's the same person, the same group of people he's talking about in this sentence. So whereas he's talking about being awake and not asleep, he's comparing the world and the Christian. Okay, He's comparing those who don't know the Lord and those who are Christians. But here he's talking about whether we're awake or asleep, whether we are awake the day Jesus returns or we're dead in the grave. Right? Remember, even when, when people died in the Bible and Jesus talked about them, what did he always tell you they were doing? They were sleeping. Sometimes the crowds laughed at him because he said they were sleeping. Right? Um, Therefore, encourage one another and build one, one another up just as you are doing. Okay. So here to me is where it all comes together. Here to me is where the rubber meets the road. And here to me is the more important parts of the text when it comes to um, what's been playing on my heart, what's been um, really pulling at my strings um, in this text. So we ask you, brothers... To respect those who labor, I, I might have, the timing might be a little bit off on this. Because <laughs> um, he's about to talk about elders and ministers and, and all that, but th the next part. Uh, we ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves, and we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak and be patient with them all. So I want to say that I know right now that this job isn't the easiest. I know right now being an elder right now during this time is not the easiest. It really doesn't matter which way you pick to go. Somebody's not going to like it. Somebody's not going to like it. Somebody doesn't like the way we're handling things right now. Somebody thinks they have a better plan for the way we're doing things right now, right? Maybe the ministers think we have a better way. I don't know, right? But somebody does. And, and right now, it's very difficult to be an elder. It's very difficult, even at, in my opinion right now, to be a minister. What do you say in times like these? You know, it's a lot easier when the world's going normal and everything's just what you're expecting, and you can preach these... Um, these lessons of, of just the gospel and love and, 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 and all that. And people aren't looking for the same type of um, knowledge or, or, or discernment of the times that we live in because it's normal times. It's what we expect. But when life throws you something you don't expect and it doesn't just hit you personally, but it hits the whole world all at once, and it's a very difficult time to be in leadership, That goes from leadership of our country down to leadership at your jobs down to leadership at the church. So I just want to encourage you to give some love to our elders. 
Because the job hasn't been easy. And I can tell you, for me personally, I'm constantly telling things I think. They got to deal with me. I'm sure I'm not the only one. At the end of the day, they have to make a decision knowing that some people are going to like it, some people aren't. Um, So, again, respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord. God put them there. Go ahead. It's just not the decisions they make. They're responsible for pastoring, shepherding, shepherding every person in this congregation. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, that's a tall, tall order. Yeah, I agree. And I was thinking about what my my father-in-law said on Sunday. You know, where he was talking about how not being able to touch each other <laughs> makes church harder. It does. Uh, I remember when we didn't have anybody in the room. I was talking to a camera. It's a whole lot easier to talk to you guys with your eyes looking at me, knowing we're actually having communication here. I'm just looking at a camera. Um, and we could go through a lot of things like that, but, you know, they, they have to do these things. The, the ministers have to try to do these things with rules and regulations we don't we're not used to dealing with and actually make it sometimes harder to even break barriers down you know a hug can do a lot for somebody (laughs) i don't know if you realize how powerful a hug is but when somebody's having a tough time man for somebody to actually share that love and give somebody physically a hug man it can take a lot of pain it can take a lot of burden it can it can take a lot of stuff away i know you felt it in your life Personally, I have not stopped doing when somebody needs a hug. I agree. I usually ask first, so I've never done that before. I'm usually just forcing myself on everybody. <laughs> maybe I'm learning. Maybe I'm learning some uh, manners. Yeah, and I'm telling you right now. I can't emphasize enough how powerful love is. I can't emphasize enough how much a little bit of love can change the course of somebody's whole life. I've seen it. I've experienced it. I'm not trying to pat myself on the back or anything like that. But when you work in youth ministry and you deal with children and you realize not everybody comes from the same place, not everybody's got the same leg up, right? Not everybody's got the same support at home. Not everybody's got go down the list, right? Some of you, you might see someone walk into church, and to you, they're just the rowdy kid that runs around church. Well, I know the story. And I can tell you that the love that is given to those kids by this church, it, it's cha- you, you can see the change. You can see the changes that we've made in, in, in many young men and women that have come through here. You know, we've had actually a lot of children at least since, I can only speak since I've been a youth minister here, but we've had a lot of children, as many of you know, that didn't, they're not church children. Their family doesn't come with them. That's, we started a bus ministry because we didn't have any kids here when I got here. Then the bus got so full, we were thinking, man, maybe we should end the bus ministry <laughs> because it, it, it was a wild group of kids we were picking up. But most of those kids are still actively engaged in a church somewhere. Most of those kids are definitely still actively engaged in calling Matt to get some advice every now and then, to, 
because they still see the wisdom. And um, man, love is just such a, it's such a powerful tool. Don't, don't ever, don't ever be afraid to share your love with people. Okay. So admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, and help the weak. Be patient with them all. Be patient, elders. Be patient as you're being criticized from all angles, from everything you're doing. Be patient, um, those of you who are working, and, and there's always somebody who's telling you that you could do this better or you could handle this a different way. Just be patient with everybody. We're not all in the same place, but we're all going to the same place, right? We're not all in the same place, but we're all going to the same place. All right. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast what is good, abstain from every form of evil. And I want to say this, because I want to go back to what you were saying earlier, Susan. It is one thing to be good to those who aren't good to you. It's another thing to accept the behavior of those who are sinning against God. Now, I don't want to. I, I want to make sure we're not mixing those things because I think that as Christians we have to be bold and stand up for the Word of God. We have to be bold and stand up for um, the person God is trying to. To create in all of us, okay, um, and I think sometimes, I think sometimes, man, it's just easy to avoid those tough conversations. It's easy to avoid those uh, those those times where you want to love them, but it's a lot harder to teach them. You know what I'm saying by that? And timing is everything. I can tell you that from my own experience. But rejoice always. I mean, do I need to say anything else? I see a lot of you out there. You don't look like you have the most joyful faces on. You're probably thinking, is he ever going to end? I am. I am. I am. Pray without ceasing. You know, I, I want to share this too. I, I was listening to a guy one day and he was talking about prayer. And man, he had this really powerful lesson about prayer. And one of the things he said that I'll never forget, because I always try to figure out, how do you pray without ceasing, right? How do you really pray without ceasing? Is it possible for you to really pray without ceasing? And, and there, the reason why I think I got hung up in this is because I got hung up in the fact that, like the formality of prayer, you know? Like, um... Like, I see something happening over here, and I didn't say, you know, dear God, please please be with those people over there. Right? How do you do that? How do you get to that point? He said something I'll never forget, because I think it's completely changed my perspective on prayer. Um, and I think it, it brings light to this idea of praying without ceasing. You know what he said? He said, you don't pray with your mouth, you pray with your eyes. That's what he said. And I thought, wow, what a concept. Because you know what? While you're thinking, you're, while you're seeing things, you're already thinking things. And I wonder, are those things going to God? Go ahead. I think that prayer, and prayer, 
Prayer to me is a conversation with God at any time. Yeah. And all the time. It's, maybe this last year we've all had some more emphasis on that. But that's what I think of as prayer. No matter what you do, you're having a conversation with God just more than you know. Yeah. I, I compare it to um, also the way we think about worship. Sometimes we want to trap worship into an hour on Sunday morning when the Bible makes it clear our whole life. Our life is a living sacrifice of worship to God. Um, same thing. Just because you um, might not have said the Lord's Prayer or you might not have specifically prayed and ended with amen um, doesn't mean you're not praying. So I just, I really want you to, I want you to think about that. And I agree. It, the conversation's open all day long. I, I used to say I had some of my best prayers driving in the car. Well, I never closed my eyes. <laughs> That would be a bad, that would be unhealthy. We have the Holy Spirit who will pray for us if we don't know what to pray. Yeah. Uh, and see for us, right? Yeah. yeah. And so if you are Christian, you're always in contact with God. And the Spirit helps us remember we're dependent on God. Yeah. So being a, a spirit being uh, who's right, it's getting confusing in my mind. Uh, <laughs> Because you have the Spirit, the Spirit speaks to God because He knows our hearts. Yeah. And he knows so even you. when, so you're saying even when we're not physically doing it ourselves, God is still having that communication for us. Yeah, I, I agree, and I, I think I think that's a good piece of the puzzle there, Mike. I really do. Um, give thanks in all circumstances, whether you like them or not. Whether you like them or not, some of the toughest things you've ever been through are some of the things that have caused you to grow the most, right? I mean, you got to be thankful for all circumstances, the good, the bad, the ugly, stuff you're looking forward to, the stuff you're not looking forward to. Do not quench the spirit. Oh, man. Don't expect everybody to come up with the same thing you come up with. Don't expect everybody to handle the situation the same way you handle the situation. Don't expect everybody to dress the same way you dress. Don't expect it. I could go on. Don't expect everybody to lead singing the way you think it should be led. Right? Don't quench the spirit. You know, there's nothing harder in life than being drugged down by your Christian brothers and sisters while you're trying to do something for the Lord. I can tell you. I can tell you that for fact. There is nothing harder in life. Okay, look, let me, let me say this real quick. You don't get into ministry, this might shock some of you, you don't get into ministry because it's got an amazing paycheck. Okay, one of the first things they tell you in Bible school, I'm being serious about this, one of the first things they tell you in Bible school is, Listen, you're going to pay a lot of money and you're going to study for the same amount of time as everybody else. And most likely everybody else you know is going to get paid more than you. You sure you still want to do this? I mean, that's literally one of the conversations I had with my professor in Ministry 101. Literally. We want you to be warned about this first, right? So you don't get into ministry 
because you're expecting this great paycheck, because you're expecting it to change your life financially, and you're going to have this huge prestige that goes with your career. That's not what ministry is about. You get into ministry because you love God and because you love his people and because you want his kingdom to grow. There is nothing harder in this world than having the people you chose to take, right, let's pay for, the people you chose to, to build your life around, the, the God that you chose to serve because you couldn't imagine everything else felt like a waste of time. Okay, this is, what, this, this is really how ministers, this is how I felt. To be criticized about every little thing because you're not doing it exactly the way somebody else wants you to. Don't, don't, don't quench the spirit. Okay. Hold fast to what is good, abstain from evil. I just want to finish by saying this. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus. He who calls you is faithful and he will surely do it. Last but not least, don't forget who's really doing the work. You just make yourself available. God's the one doing the work. Don't forget that when you're looking at other people too. It's easy to think, how can somebody not think the way I think? Right? We're reading the same book. Right? We're seeing the same world. How can I be so different than this other person? We're not all in the same place. It's just the reality. But God is faithful and he is doing a work in all of us. Is there anything anybody wants to say before we're done? Because I kept you guys late. It's really because you guys talk too much. <laughs> Kettle black there. That's the truth. Anything back there, Steve? All right, love you guys. Thanks for coming tonight.